0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Final part of our series called Mr. and Mrs. Better Half. I love talking about marriage and relationships. And and, and here's the deal marriage uh, can be one of the most difficult and challenging things, or it can be one of the most beautiful and wonderful things. It just depends on how you go about doing it. And so I have a heart for marriage, and even for like singles out there, like helping you set up for success. And so that's why I actually think most of the time when I counsel married couples, if I start sharing certain things with them, many times they say things like, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago, whatever it is. And so that's why it's so important. Like I know it's a marriage series, but if you're single, you ought to be here because you should be taking notes and logging this away and preparing your heart and your soul because you don't want to have to figure out marriage after you're already married, right? You want, to, you want to try to have all the nuts and bolts and tools that you can before you're married. And so that's what this series was really all about. And so we started with week one. If you were not here, literally, it is the most important thing in marriage, period. It's the most important thing in marriage. And if you weren't here, you're gonna to have to go watch it. And so uh, part two, we talked about how like there's such a unique difference between the way culture views dating and marriage and the way God views dating and marriage and they're so different that if you fall into the culture trap you may never get out and so it's so important that you start off just saying hey that that it's it's that's not what that was that's not how I should approach that that's not how I should think about that that there's a a divine way a godly way a biblical way into looking at dating and marriage and it'll save your life last week we talked about the idea of like communication like how how well you communicate really comes from where your heart is. And if you get your heart right, then if you'll get your mouth right, you can accomplish some great things in relationships. And so today, though, maybe my favorite topic in, in marriage and dating and relationships, we're going to talk about like how, how well you fight and how well you argue, right? Because like, so like if you're single out there, you're like, oh, no, we won't argue. We're in love. And all the married people are like, <laughs> you don't even know. You're going to argue, you're going to fight, you're going to disagree. There is, that's not the issue. Like There's not like, oh, Christian people, they don't argue and fight. No, that's ridiculous. We all argue and fight, bless God. That's just what we do. It is the way that you argue and fight that makes the critical difference. There's actually a, uh, a university professor, a Jewish guy named uh, John Gottman, who did a study out of the University of Washington. He literally was able to put couples in this like enclosed home, and in this home, he was able to observe and watch and just kind of see. And he put them in there for like just a week. And it was almost like they got their own little vacation. And they, he got to like literally observe how well they got along, how well they communicated. And by the end of his study, which he did over a, a series of years, he was able to predict a married couple's success or failure rate. I mean, his, his prediction was like a 90% accuracy. That's how close, You came in. No. Nah, yep. Yeah, no. Yeah. 90% accuracy. And what the results of all the testing found was, is that the probably the most critical factor to whether a couple would succeed or fail was how well they argued, believe it or not. Because y'all argue, right? It's how well you argue. And he found like that couples that argue well last long and they make it and they figure it out. And so today I'm going to kind of just share with you some thoughts and ideas that I think are going to help you argue well to fight fair. And on the end, at the end of the day, I'm going to even give you something as you walk out the door just to kind of help you remember because I'm going to throw a lot at you today everybody's all right but you know put put the light in the mode i'm gonna tell you my i've been telling you these jokes at at the beginning of the messages and and this is my favorite joke are you ready so sometimes i start telling a joke and i start off serious and i think y'all feel like it's a real story and then i drop a bomb on y'all and you're like dang that wasn't even funny that hurt my heart you know whatever so i'm gonna prepare this is a joke there was one night where a woman woke up and she found her husband not in bed so she's like, I wonder what's up. And so she puts on her robe and walks downstairs. And as she gets downstairs and looks around the corner, she sees her husband sitting there. Seemingly deep in thought, sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. And she looks and all of a sudden he wipes a little tear away from his eye and takes another sip. And so she enters the room and she goes, sweetie, what's wrong? Are you okay? What's what's going on? He goes, you know, just having a moment. He said, babe, do you remember uh, when we first started dating? She goes, yeah. Uh, remember, remember, remember that night where your dad caught us making out in the back of the car, and she goes, "Yeah, yeah, I remember." Do, do you remember how your daddy stuck that shotgun in my face, and told me, and because you, you were only sixteen, remember? Uh, I remember. He stuck that shotgun in my face and said, "You either marry my daughter or it's twenty years in jail." She goes, "I, I remember." And he wiped a little tear away from his eye, and he said, "I would have gotten out today." <laughs> um. That's good. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's funny. (laughs) Today we will talk about conflict in marriage so that you don't feel trapped and wish you were in jail instead of in marriage. And so I want to set you up for success today. So I'm going to teach you, talk to you. A lot of what I'm going to do is just give you even some practical stuff. But let's talk about this. Because we're all going to argue, we're all going to fight, let's just embrace it all. There's a difference though in the way that we argue and the way that we fight. And so let's dive in and take a look at it. I want to share with you really why we fight. Let's start with the genesis. If we're going to fight in relationships and fight as couples and get into arguments and get into disagreements, we should at least know where that stuff comes from. So the first thing is this, and we talked about this last week, and so I won't spend a lot of time, but like poor communication is a huge component to like why we get into arguments and I'll prove it to you. Have you ever noticed that most of the time you argue and fight, it started with something petty and silly and non-important. But then because of the way that you communicated with one another, you took something that was on a level two and you turned it into a ten, right? Like it started off about like where you put the remote so I can find it. And then all of a sudden World War III breaks out and you're the devil and you're awful and how could you? And you know what? You're, You're just like your mother and it's like it all breaks loose. Because it's something as silly as where you put the remote control turned into something terrible because we don't know how to just communicate well. And so it is so important that we, number one, you start with our heart and make sure there's nothing in our heart that leads us to stay nasty and mean and demeaning and hurtful things. But then the other thing is some of us, it's not a heart issue, it's a pattern issue. Meaning like, well, that's just the way mama talked. That's the way my dad talked. That's just the way I was raised. Did anybody... Was anybody raised in a family that just had harsh words? Anybody like that? Anybody raised in a family that just yelled a lot? I was. We just. I actually thought if you weren't yelling, you weren't loving. Like, that was just like, I thought all families were like this. I thought if you were yelling was just how you communicated it. And I'll prove it to you. I got married, and so when we had our first disagreement, what do I do? I yell. I'm not even mad, you know. You ever get that? Like, why are you yelling? Yeah, I'm not yelling, this is my normal talking voice when I argue, you know. So just poor, poor communication. The things that we say, the volume that we say them at. Um, you ever heard this one? There, there's a there's a man who went to his wife and was t- stupid. He's terrible. He goes, he goes, baby, I don't understand how you are so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. And she goes, well, let me explain it to you then. God made me beautiful so that you'd be attracted to me, but He made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. See, you don't want to mess with a woman with a sharp tongue. That's why, that's why Solomon said it's better to live in the desert or on the corner of your roof than to married with a, be married to a nasty woman. So anyway, that is proof. You better be careful what you get yourself into. So watch this. Psalms. This is, let's get scripture here, not just comedy. So Psalms 141.3 says this. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Um, notice what's in the middle there. It's the Lord. Like, I've got a mouth, but it needs to be, like, guarded. I've got lips, but the door needs to be shut and sometimes locked. And the key in the middle to all of it is the Lord. That if I'll surrender my heart to the Lord, but I also need to surrender my mouth to the Lord. That at certain times, I need to go and check myself and say, you know what, God, are those words that would honor you? Are those words that would please you? If, Jesus, you were standing here with me, would I even say and utter such harsh or nasty or critical words? God set a door over my lips because many times it's just poor communication that leads us into conflict. Here's another one, unfulfilled expectations. Yeah, now I just want you to know this. This is a huge life nugget here. All of anger, all the anger you got in your heart comes from unfulfilled expectations, whether that's life or marriage. James says it outright. Listen to what James says. He just puts it on front street. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I'm glad you asked. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you what? You don't get it. So because you don't get what you want, and you've got these unfulfilled expectations, you get crazy. You kill, you covet. You cannot have what you want, so what do you do? Well, I just fight, and I quarrel. James is like, you got issues, and here's your issue. Um, You didn't get what you wanted. As a matter of fact, it is sometimes the most therapeutic thing that you can say, I'll do this every once in a while to my wife. You know what? I'm just angry. Because I didn't get what I wanted. Now, in the moment you say it, you're going to feel like childish. But it's therapeutic. Because it just helps you recognize, I'm being petty right now. Because I didn't get my way. I almost feel like a kid throwing a temper tantrum. But what it does is it helps me sit back and say, yeah, I'm being kind of a baby about this. It's good for me to recognize that I'm just angry because I didn't get what I wanted. And in marriage, that's what we end up with. We end up with like these issues where like we expected our husband, we expected our wife, and because they didn't do what we wanted and they didn't do it the way we wanted to it, I'm angry, I'm mad. And so because of that, I'm just going to lash out and fight and quarrel because that's what James says that you do. Now, if you keep reading, which we don't have time to do, he goes on to say that the reason why you don't have what you want is because you didn't ask God. Because here's the reality. Most of the unmet expectations were basically unrealistic expectations that you put on your spouse. And many of the most deep-rooted things that you need in life, your spouse can't give you anyway. They can only come from your heavenly Father. And So be careful that you don't have these unfulfilled and unmet expectations, and that makes you lash out. Go to God with your needs first. Don't go to your spouse first. That was good. That was good. Number three is this, is despising differences. I don't know if you know this, but when, when God made mankind, it said that he made them both male and female, and that's different. That's different biology. That's different psychology. That's different er- emotions. The, I mean, everything is different. And many times, here's what happens. Have y'all noticed this? When you start dating, you kind of enjoy people that are very different than you. And we have that whole phrase that like opposites what? The opposites attract. Yeah, they don't always marry great, but they, they attract. And then you get so caught up and you're like, oh my gosh, he's so unique and he's so different, or oh, she's just so, and, and they complete me, you know? And then you marry him. See, you thought, oh, he's so funny. Oh my gosh, I love how funny he is. And then when you get married, you're like, oh my God, it's joke, joke, joke. He doesn't take anything seriously. And so all these things that you thought were great because they were different turned into. So, anyway, like, you need to be careful that you don't despise differences. Actually, what you want to do is appreciate differences. I'll give you a great example. Like, like, me and my wife have huge differences. Our personality profiles are different, obviously, like, just different in, in opinion on things and whatever. Uh, in our home, my wife is very clean. I have not been accused of being clean. I have been at times accused of, of not being clean by my clean wife, right? Now, if I wanted to, I could get all huffy and mad and say, well, you just want what you want. And then you're just mad. You're only mad because you didn't get what you wanted. And I can stick it to her, right? You didn't, and, and, but but here's the deal. Of course we're different. But I just learned, man, I kind of I kind of like want to celebrate and appreciate that stuff. Why? Well, because if both of us were dirty, <laughs> that'd be gross, right? Thank God one of us is clean. And I'm glad she's pulling me in the clean direction to the to the best of her ability. It's, see, you've got to take the things that make you different and learn how you can put that spin on it to say, how can I celebrate that? How can I be grateful for that? Because in reality, they do complete me in some ways because they're helping me maybe to balance out who I am. And so don't despise the difference. Find a way to celebrate the difference. But normally we take those differences and we start arguments and then we say something wrong and then it blows out of proportions and we earn, end up in a fight now here's the last one and the last one we could have just done this one only like the next one is the next one is there you go so the next one is and it could have been the only one is that um you're sinful like i don't know if you know that or not you were born a sinner jesus loves you right but you're probably still a sinner right you just walking with Jesus now. That that's the only difference. That we we know that you were born a sinner because if you ever have like a little kid, you know that like they just do sinful little things, and you never taught them to do that. You never trained them to do that. They just naturally did that. And so you were born you were born a sinner, and you have a sin nature. And so what you here is what you need to be very careful of. Women, you married a sinner. Yep, yeah. But we act as if as if like they ought not be sinful, or like, like you didn't marry Jesus, ladies. Didn't happen. You you married a sinner. It's the, as a matter of fact, that's the only thing you could have married. You ever thought of that? There were no options. It was sinner or singleness. That, it, that was your only option. Men, you didn't. You did not marry, marry the mother of Jesus. You, you did not. Blessed art thou among women. You didn't marry her. You married somebody else, and she's a sinner too. And so I just I just need you to know. Look, look at what the Bible says. This is really really clear right here. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so I just need you to know that like you married a sinner. And so this is the temptation that you fall into. When you don't realize that you married a sinner, what you do is, is that you, you respond to them in ways that you don't like yourself. And I'll give you a perfect example. Have you ever noticed how when you sin, there's usually a good reason for it? Like, well, I mean, and you have ways of justifying or rationalizing or, or, or at least pointing out, well, I'm like this because of my mother, and so you should give me a pass. And so we always appreciate getting a pass for our sin, but then we don't want to necessarily give our spouse a pass for their sin. Are you tracking with me so far? So, so my point is, is just embracing the fact that, hey, you married a sinner. Let's let's wade into the deep end with a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of mercy, and that's going to help us not get into so much conflict and quarrel and fight because here's the way that you can respond i'm going to give you the ways that you can respond to the fight so let's just say one of these four things caused you to fight here's how you can respond to the fight number one is everybody say my way Bless you ever been in a fight and one of them said bless god you're gonna do you're gonna do what i told you to do is my way or the that's right you're gonna get it done you, if, if you get into a Christian home with a guy that doesn't read his Bible well, he's like, you, you, "Woman, Bible says you better submit." Yep, better submit. Jesus is watching you. And so, so there's this my way. Sometimes, like women, be like it's my way. Or you can go sleep on the couch, or you got all these different my way kind of modes where we can either dominate or or just kind of manipulate or overpower or with our words or whatever it is. So we just my it's my way. You can do that, um, but it's going to hurt. The other one is bad too. Everybody say your way. This is the opposite, and this is the person who's so passive that they just, okay, fine. And normally what you do is, is when you always let the other person get their way, you you bury some stuff, right? And then eventually you end up, like it boils into like something nasty eventually, and it explodes, or... It just gets suppressed so hard that you just resent the person because you just let them have their way all the time. You just became the doormat to the relationship and always let them have and let them do. But I'm telling you, it's not healthy for relationships. Here's another way, and it sounds like a good way. It's the halfway, right? We'll just go these. right? You know what? Because we'll, we use the word compromise, and it is true that you need compromise in marriage at times. But be careful because this sounds good, but it doesn't always... This, basically, when you go halfway, what you're saying is this. Is, well, I'll let you get your way half the time. And I'll get my way half the time. And so then we got our list. You ever had this? Where somebody's keeping a track? Don't point at anybody. But you don't want to keep track because this is the halfway people. Well, remember last Friday, you got to pick the movie you we went to. Well, and, and, and then in every arena of life, you start, well, remember last time. Remember last time, Wolf. And you keep going 50-50. And this just means you're angry half the time. That's all that means, right? You're just mad half the time. But, but, but. There is a be- and, and don't get me wrong, that's probably better than the first two, but there is a best way, and it's ultimately it's God's way. Like there's a God's way. I promise you, there is a way to wade into and to do conflict well, because you're going to have disagreements. There are differences among you. Sometimes it's just going to come down to like somebody made somebody mess, somebody was in a bad mood. It's not that you're you're going to try to avoid fighting altogether. It, again, what the study showed was is great couples just know how to fight well. And all the principles that the university professor broke down, I mean, he basically was robbing from the Bible. All the stuff that he discovered, all the stuff that he found, he was just like, I could just show you 10 scriptures for each one of the things that he came up with. But there is a God's way. And here's the other thing too. Let me tell you about God's way. I I promise this, this could change somebody's life right here if you'll listen to me. Many times when a couple comes to me with some type of marriage conflict, if you would together just determine. you know what? I'm going to go seek God. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go spend time in, in, in Scripture. I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to re- go and seek God. And, and the other person said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go seek God. I don't need to counsel you. The vast majority of the time, if you will go and just seek God, the matter will actually dissolve itself the majority of the time. Why? Because it's hard to be connected to God and then not have some patience about you. It's hard to be connected to God And not have some love and kindness about you. It's hard to be connected to God and not have some level of self-discipline. I'll prove it to you. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5. He says the fruit or the result of being connected to God, the Spirit of God, is love and and, and joy and, and, and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. Imagine if you had gentleness on your mouth when you spoke to him or when you spoke to her. Imagine if there was patience on your mouth self-discipline in your attitude and actions. Oh my god So you're saying yes, if you would just seek god I promise the vast majority of the stuff that y'all are arguing about would dissolve itself There is a god's way and now i'm going to give you what I think is the best approach to god's way. You ready? Okay, you're gonna get something on the way out the door. This is the 10 commandments The fighting fair You ready and you don't have to take notes Because i'm gonna give it to you Ten Commandments to Fighting Fair. This is, this is, in my opinion, based on Scripture or experience or counsel or wisdom or all of it put together and, and just all that I've gathered from studying and reading and counseling people and observation in my own marriage. I'm just going to give you the ten, the ten Commandments. Are you ready? Not the real Ten Commandments. That was Moses and Exodus, and that's different. This is my Ten Commandments, and this is not holy, but it's cool, okay? Number one, everybody say, choose your battles wisely, Choose your battles wisely. Okay, here's here's what I mean by that. If you're going to do it God's way, you need to know you need to choose your battles wisely. And here's what I mean by that. Not all battles are worth choosing. You ever thought about that? Like if I walk up to the street on, on somebody and they are just jacked out of their mind, 300 pounds, massive muscles everywhere, I'm not picking that fight. That's just dumb. There's no wisdom in that at all, right? Like I'm not picking that fight. Well, you need to know, like, life is that way, marriage is that way. So many times, one of the people in the relationship is nitpicky, overly critical, or just particular. Like, you think you needed to have it a certain way all the time. And you think that you ought to voice all those things that come into your mind about all the particular ways that you want things. And what I'm telling you is, is that you need to not pick that battle You ask yourself, is it even worth addressing? Is it that big of a deal? Is it that detrimental to the relationship? And if it's not like really important, if it's not detrimental to the relationship, you know what you should probably do? Let it go. Just be merciful so that they didn't do it just the way you wanted to. So it wasn't just perfect. You don't need to say something every time. So choose your battles wisely. As a matter of fact, I remember the first time I learned this, and it, trust me, it takes a long time for things to sink in with me. But the first time I learned this, I was at a restaurant with my wife, and I'm with my pastor. Right, I'm a youth pastor at the time. I'm with my pastor, and we're sitting down at this really nice dinner at this really nice restaurant, and and it's, you know it's one of those fancy places where like they word everything really cool. So like it wasn't just salmon, right? It was like. The white Alaskan salmon from the something-something river and the something blah, blah, blah. It just sounds cooler. It's just a salmon, okay? It's a salmon. But they made it sound fancy. And my wife is pregnant with our very first child. Now, what are women like with that first kid? They're crazy, okay? So I tell men all the time, like, look, when your wife is pregnant, she gets a pass. And then nine months after she's pregnant, she gets another pass, okay? Because they're just they're just flipped out okay if you were making a life you'd be flipped out too so just give her a pass be merciful but i didn't know that then i was stupid still so so she starts asking the waiter so where is the white snake river located and is that a really clean river because i don't want a salmon and i'm like and i'm like babe he doesn't know where the white snake river is he don't even care what it ain't a creek that runs through compton i mean like you're gonna be all right like, and, and, and like, I'm being snarky, you know, I'm being mouthy, like I'm being Todd. So, so my pastor is on my left and my wife is on my right and he reaches over and squeezes my leg and then just pats and he goes, shh, just, just let him be, <laughs> shh, just, just let him be. And I'm like, all right, all right, because what are you going to do? My pastor's sitting there. No, you know, because if pastor's watching, you zip it up a little bit, don't you? Anyway, so. But my point is, is like that lesson echoed into my future. And there's so many times in my life where I heard Pastor Dick's voice in my ear saying, "Mm -mm, just let him be. It's all it's all good. Just let him just let him be. It's all good. And so I promise you, choose your battles wisely. Many times mean just let him be it. Just let him be. Now, if you're going to choose the battle, then then one of the things that you need to know is this is like. Sometimes you do need to choose the battle. Some things are worth talking about, but you still want to be wise in choosing the battle. And here's what I mean. You need to choose the timing wisely even. You ever, you ever think about it like that? All times are not equally valid times to raise an issue. Can I get an amen? Like there are certain times when like he comes home from a long day and he literally opens the door. If you lay into him, it's a lose-lose situation. Okay, you catch her after she'd been home with them three kids for hours and she got like spit up all over her and her hair is a wreck and then you think you ought to address the cleanliness of the house? Bless God, you are a dumb soul. There are not, it is not all equal opportunities. you got to ask yourself, when is the best time that I can bring this up so that we can actually have a healthy conversation? Not all times are equal. I'm going to tell you right now, never bring something up when either of you is tired or hungry. Can I get an amen? Because some of y'all get hangry. You just you know like nothing's good if you're hungry. Like nothing good will come of any conversation if you are hungry. So just wait, wait until he is just fat and satisfied. You know, wait until things are good. I'm telling you what, especially with a man. If you if you bring a man, uh, you know, uh, 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 some ribs and <laughs> his favorite drink, and then start talking to him, I mean, he's a happier man. You'll get you'll get way more out of him. But guys, if you just come home with some flowers and chocolates and then vacuum the house without being asked i'm telling you what things are good so choose your choose your battles wisely and choose the time of them wisely second timothy 2 23 just says this don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce what don't don't pick a dumb fight don't pick it at the wrong dumb time just be wise in how you choose your battles number two is this is don't be a historian Yeah, there is a statute of limitations on some stuff. Okay, like when you bring something up, you can't say, well, do you remember it was the spring of 2004? Okay, that you're you're already starting off in a bad way. Don't be a historian. Don't go back. Hey, here's the other aspect of that. This is what I find some couples do. You're fighting about a current issue. But then as soon as one of you feels as though you're losing the battle. (laughs) That's nervous laughter right there. So what you you feel, I'm losing the, I'm losing ground. Well, do you remember when we were dating and you went and you, you bring up like how he talked to Sheila at the party and, and then like, oh dear God, babe, that was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Like, but it doesn't matter because she knows you blew it so bad that she can leverage what you did 10 or 20 or 5 years ago. There's got to be a statute of limitations on this thing, okay? Don't be a historian and don't have a go-to move when you're losing in the moment and go back to that one time where she really messed up and use that to leverage the situation so that you can win a current and unrelated event. Can I get an amen out there? Can just somebody like, y'all are with me, right? Like, See, what I'm doing is that most couples know this stuff but don't think about it, or I'm going to give you a couple you never thought of, or I'm going to just point out maybe some bad habits that we have in our arguing, but y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So number three is this, is start as peaceful as you can. This is so critical. Start as peaceful as you can. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22 says this. It says, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Do we all agree with that? Okay, so that's that's wisdom, right? What I'm saying is this. When you decide that I have chosen the battle wisely, I chose when it was going to, and I even chose like how I was going to bring it up. I've chosen the battle wisely. What you need to do is start as low on the scale as you can, right? So if you have an intensity scale of one to 10, when you start that conversation, how many know when you get into something that's a little sensitive or a little dicey or a little bit going to be confrontational, that thing only goes up, right? The intensity the escalation, the volume, the feelings, the emotion of it all, it only goes up, which means this, you don't come in at a seven. Well, babe, I need to talk to you about something because I'm really upset and I'm gonna let you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't come in at a seven. That circle will be at a 10 in two minutes. You start in at a two. Hey, sweetie, how are you doing today? Hey, um, I was just thinking about something and wanted to you know, ask you what your take on it was. I had this thing cross my mind. And would would you think? You, you, and you just you just shape it in the form of a question. Your tone, your inflection, your body language, the kindness of your words that you choose. It all starts out with this idea. Let me start on a scale of one to ten. I'm coming in at a two. That way, if it goes up three or four, worst case scenario, we're at a six, and I can I can still you know have dinner tonight at a six, right? We'll still be in the same bed tonight if it, if it only gets to a six. And so start as peaceful. As you can, I promise it just makes sense. Number four is this, only focus on one issue at a time. Here's why, two reasons. Number one is this, is that really as human beings, we can only fix one thing at a time anyway. Especially men, we might even like half a thing at a time, right? So if we can only fix one thing at a time, only bring up one thing that we can actually do something about, I promise, like usually if you invite somebody in and you let them know why it's a big deal to you and it's just one thing, don't, here, here's my big point. If you show up to an argument with your list. I had a guy do this one time. They came over to our house for marriage counseling. They just say, hey, things are not good between us. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Come over. And we had him over at the house, which is kind of rare. Usually I meet with people at the office. But, but you know, we knew him and my wife knew him. I'm like, just come over to the house and we'll talk through it all. And I'm like, okay, so what's going on? You know, what's really? Okay. Well, I, he literally reached into his pocket and pulled out a list. of. I'm like, bro. I wish I could slap you right now because if you bring up a list of things, what you're communicating to that person is, is that you are just not good enough and you're not doing it well. And, and you are defeating them before you've even invited them in to maybe making the relationship better. So don't show up with your list. It will never help any situation. Number five is this define the issue clearly. This is what this means. Um, Many times, if you're not a great communicator, what you do is you ramble around the issue and you never land on it. Then the other person's confused about what you even meant, and then nothing ever is resolved. So here's the here's the challenge I would give to you: that if you're going to choose a battle and choose it wisely and choose the timing wisely, I'm going to come in at a two, I'm going to come in at a soft two. I'm coming in with pillows and I'm coming in low. and, and, and okay, but what is it that I actually am bothered by or having an issue with? And you ought to be able to write a summary statement. Not a paragraph. Don't write a novel. A summary statement of what is bothering you and, and what you actually want to like bring up. If it, because here, here's the deal. So many of us, we think we're great communicators, but we're actually all over the place. And so write a summary statement like this. is So I can stay on point so that they know what they're doing is making me feel a certain way or whatever the issue is. So figure out how to summarize that in a statement so that you can actually be clear about it. Here's the other thing, and this is so true of anybody that's a nagger or a complainer, okay? If you fall into the category of you complain a lot or you nag a lot, this is men and women. Listen, listen, listen. This is what I call the problem of white noise. Because if you nag about everything, then to the other person, it's all the same. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Let's just say you're a nagger. And so you want to nag to your husband about, okay, well, I don't, he didn't, pick this up in the backyard and then he left this on the bedroom floor and then he didn't do the dishes and didn't put his dishes away that i wanted to and 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 then oh by the way he's a workaholic okay well like i mean like again if we're working on a scale like if you nag about that and that's a two and you nag about that and that's a three and you nag about that and that's about a four but then you nag about that and that's a nine because it's really if you nag about everything the other person never knows if it's a nine or a two because it's all white noise. It all just, It's just more complaining and more nagging and more of what I'm not good at and how I stink and I don't measure up and I'm not whatever because you just nag about everything. And so this is why defining the issue clearly not only means making it clear in a statement, but even being able to rate the intensity of it to say, hey, look, you know, this was the issue. This is what's bothering me. This is making me feel a certain way. And just so you know, on like a scale of one to 10, this is not a big deal. It would just help me if you did it. Or you could say, no, no, no. We're tens of thousands of dollars in debt and you have a gambling issue. This is a 10. You see the difference? You've got to be able to define the issue clearly. Number six is this, and we're moving on because y'all got really quiet on that one. Number six is this, thou shalt not use never and always. That is a self-defeating argument and it's attacking in nature because nobody ever Always does something or never does something. I promise you when you do that, they're gonna get defensive and they're gonna point out the one time when it wasn't true. Because I only got one. <laughs> Maybe two, right? That's not true. Remember that one time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one time. So using words like never and always are attacking, and they're me, and then you're not gonna get anywhere. You're gonna make the other person defensive, and your argument's not true anyway, because nobody always or never does anything. Number number seven is this. Thou shalt not yell. We talked about this earlier. Like if you grew up in a yelling home, you need to know like that's not cool. Like that's not okay. That doesn't, just because you normalized it doesn't make it right. Does that make sense? Certain things in life, we start to normalize and then we excuse it because we just normalize it. Just because it's normal doesn't make it right. Just because you grew up in a home of yelling doesn't mean yelling is the mature or Christ-like way to treat another human being. Watch this, this is what, um, Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, it says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. Meaning like when you get mad, everybody knows. The neighbors know. The neighbors' neighbors know. Now the cops know. Everybody knows now. Why? Because you decided to get so loud and just give full vent to all your anger. So I'm just telling you right now that if you want to have successful arguing, like you need to go ahead and say, wow, okay, let me work on that. It's not in my heart to to dehumanize another person. It's not in my heart to belittle another person. It's not in my heart to take the person that I vowed my life to and make them feel small and intimidated because I want to get big and yell. Are you hearing me? It's okay to change. Can I get an amen? It's okay to say I did it wrong. It's okay to say, hey, mom and dad did it wrong and modeled it wrong and I just learned some bad behavior. But it's okay to say I'm ready to change. It's okay to say I'm ready to rework some new attitudes and some new mentalities and some new behaviors in my life number eight is this thou shalt not call names yeah bless god thou shalt not call names jerk stupid lazy egghead fat bad cook cold in bed liar yeah man y'all say way worse don't even you start with me judging eyes out there i heard i heard way worse in counseling even anyway i'm just telling you like there is something about you as a christ follower that needs to look at another human being and realize that they have such incredible value that Christ died for them. And you're not to demean that. You're not to belittle that. That's not your place. If you're a Christ follower, we do not look at other human beings and use names to tear people down. The Bible says we use our words to build people up. And you can't do that if you're name calling. And so you've got to be careful not to do that. Listen to what Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Everybody say, but... But the tongue of the, I lost it. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Think about that. You have the ability with your mouth to tear down and destroy, or to build up and encourage. As a Christ follower, bless God, we are going to determine to use our words differently. We do not need to get into name calling. And hey, hey let me let me say this too. Sometimes thou shalt not call names is is, is kind of glossed over, and and sometimes we use our words as a weapon to hurt somebody. Sometimes we use our silence as a weapon to hurt somebody. Be careful that you're not one of those people, well, I don't yell and call names. No, no, you just stop talking and you stonewall. You go cold shoulder and you cut them off. It's just a different form of using your words by not giving your words appropriately. You see the difference? Like you can use your words to hurt. You can use your words to heal. Sometimes you can use your silence to hurt. Be careful that you don't fall into that category. Number nine is this, thou shalt not use the D word. As a Christ follower, you've got to stop saying divorce and throwing around that divorce and and, and then like leveraging divorce and manipulating with that word because I'm telling you that's what it is. It's a form of manipulation. I'm calling you guys out on your junk right now and I need you to love me as your pastor. I am only here to help you and set you up for success. But listen to me, let me tell you what using the D word does. You're basically leveraging power over another person and I'll show you why. Whoever loves less controls more. Let me say that again. Whoever loves less controls more. Inside of a relationship, all of a sudden, well, yeah, well, why don't you just leave? Yeah, well, why don't we get a divorce? Why don't we? And so like, sometimes the fighting is the other person trying to cling to the relationship. And what you do is, is you start throwing around these types of words so that you can leverage them because of their need for the relationship, their need for love, their need for acceptance and security, they're wanting it. And so you know that if I'll just love less, I can control more and I can get my way. And sometimes we use the D word to put that on full display. And it, what you're saying is this, is you need me, but I don't need you. But the reality is, is that you're both absolutely wrong. What you both need is Jesus. There's a difference. What you both need is Jesus. And to stop trying to hurt and leverage and manipulate the other person. Everybody, somebody said that's good, that's good, that was good. I did, I needed it, okay. I got you. I'm not talking very much in this sermon. Got quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Number 10, last one. Hey, when all else fails, you apply the grace of God. I'm telling you what, the the grace of God is God's kindness and love towards me. And if I'll soak in God's love and kindness towards me and then give it to the other person, I can have a great marriage. And so sometimes you're going to be in an argument and it went from a two and you thought you could level out at a five and then it just kept going and then all of a sudden something got brought up from 2004, you know what I mean? Or that New Year's party on uh, 1999, we party like, remember that one? And, and then like it went from a five to an eight and then all of a sudden you said something terrible about her mom and then, ooh, it's 10. And then somebody threw the D word out. I'm telling you at some point in time, you need to say, hey, look, you know what? Can we just pause real quick here? Can I just, can I just say that I love you? And and let's not argue and fight here. Can we take a moment and just seek God and just pause the the argument and the conflict? And and maybe we can if we'll go seek God, we'll have a little more peace and kindness on our soul. We'll have a little bit of words. Can, can we just can we just pause? Hey, can I? Hey, part you know what a part of applying the grace of God is? It's giving them a pass because they are a sinner. Remember that whole thing? Like you married a sinner, you might want well to give them pass every once because they're a sinner. Because you want them to give you a pass when you blow it, right? You know what applying the grace of God means sometimes sometimes it means being quick to apologize Like if 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 you refuse to apologize that's pride in your heart. You need to know that Pride is probably the most deadly sin you can carry in your heart and if you refuse to apologize you have pride in your heart It's got to go we got to eradicate that thing Applying the grace of God means if I can come to God and ask for forgiveness Then then bless God When I've done something wrong, I can apologize. When I've wronged other people, I can go to them and ask for mercy and ask for forgiveness. That's applying the grace of God. Watch, watch, watch. Remember earlier when I said that we're all sinners? And we read a scripture from Romans. Listen to this, Romans 3, 23. Remember this? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But read what Paul writes next. He says this. He goes, and, everybody say and. And all are justified freely by his, everybody say grace. We're all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I, want, I guess what? At times, you're just going to have differences. At times, it, 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 might, it might have gotten out of hand. It might, sometimes you need to apply the grace of God, baby. I yelled, and I'm sorry for that. I was wrong. You know what? When I said that to you, I was so wrong, and I was wrong to treat you that way. Will you please forgive me? Hey, can we take a pause and go seek God? Hey, can we, have, we, just, can we reset? Can we stop? One of the things that John Gottman found in his study at the University of Washington when he did it, he said great couples have this weird little thing that they'll do in the middle of arguing. And this is what I think it is, it's applying the grace of God. He said they have, these great couples have this little weird thing where they'll start to get heated and it'll go from a two to a three to a four to a five and start to escalate and one of them will defuse the bomb. They'll do something. They'll do something cute or funny. Or silly or or just make a comment and just try to disarm the other person and all they're trying to do is say hey let's 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 just not get hot and harsh and mean let's let's it'd be better to be lighter wouldn't it it'd be better to be gracious right now and they have these little things that they'll do to help kind of diffuse whatever bomb was about to blow up and so that's what i think you do when you apply the grace of god you say you know what jesus has been too good to me His grace is too wonderful. Uh, What what God has done for us, God has brought us together. Can we focus on the good right now? Can I be be merciful with you? Can I be quick to forgive, be quick to apologize? Because here's the deal. This is the beauty and the wonder of God's grace through Christ Jesus is that you are a sinner, but you are freely justified, freely forgiven because of his love towards you. You know your spouse, they probably blew it. But what if you took that incredible grace and forgiveness that you got and you passed it along? And did something to kind of diffuse the bomb and bring it down a notch. I promise if you'll learn to apply the grace of God, you'll learn how to fight fair. Because you're going to argue. That's not the the issue. If you're out there and you're young and you just started dating like, no, we love each other. We'll be different. I love you. But you're going to argue. The question is not, will you argue? The question is, how will you argue? Will you argue God's way? Will you apply the grace of God? Will you be wise in how you choose your words and how you treat another human being? Because if you do that, I promise you, you can have a great marriage. Let's pray this morning. Father, I, I thank you so much. God, for God your Holy Spirit at work in people right now, God. Whatever it is that we talked about today, I could, I could sense and I could tell that certain things hit home. I may have pushed a button or two and so, God, I pray, God, have your way in their heart and their mind. I pray that they walk out of this place not, not condemned. God, let them walk out of this place challenged and yet encouraged and strengthened by your grace, Lord God, to go and be Christ-like towards their spouse. And so, God, if there's something in here on this list that we've done wrong and we've done poorly, uh, God, will you please forgive us? Hey, if, if, let me just say this real quick as I'm praying. If your spouse is, is is here today and you feel like they kind of blew two or three or four things on this list, I don't want you to go out there and, and, and stick it to them. I don't want you... No, no, you let God work in them. You let God speak to them. You let God do a work in them. Don't, don't sabotage the work in their life by you jumping in and trying to fix them. Don't do that. You let God have His work in their heart. The Word of God has been spoken. Okay, the Holy Spirit can be at work in us even right now. Can we just pray and ask that God, would you do a work in me right now, God? If there's something that I'm doing that's unwise, that's unhealthy, that's hurtful, God, would you do a work in me? God, if there's something in my heart that doesn't belong there and that's where those evil things or nasty things come from, would you do a work in me? Would you heal my soul? Would you help me, Lord? God, if there's something, some kind of pattern that I have in my in my words, will you will you please help me, God? Give me the courage and the self-discipline to change and to become more like Christ. God, would you do a work in me? Would you let that be your prayer this morning? God, do a work in me. God, help me to be a great wife, a great husband, God. If you're out there and you're single, would you just say this, God, would you prepare me to be a great wife, a great husband? God, if you so choose, God, help me to be a great wife, a great husband. Whatever that means, whatever the future holds, God, would you help me? And God, we thank you today that the same grace that we need to give to our spouse is the same grace that you give to us, God. So if we have failed in any way in this In this manner, God, would you please forgive us? And we thank you, God, that we're freely justified, not because we're good, but because you are awesome. And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for it. It is in your holy name that we pray and we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.